right. Bennett to tight end left. Second and goal to go from the two. Toss sweep right for James White. Cuts it up to the right arm. Cuts it upfield. Driving forward. It's diving to the goal line. It's still a it. touchdown it. and a title for the Patriots. It. I can't believe it. They have completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. What's up, Patriots fans? Welcome to an ep- another episode of the Pat Splits podcast presented by SB Nation. I'm your host, Stephen Thompson, joined by Chris Blackie. Got another special guest tonight from CBS Boston, Michael Hurley. How's it going, man? It's going great. How are you? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, it's going really good after uh, Sunday night. What a game. Yeah, it's it's. I'm still kind of you know piecing it together, and I I don't mean to you know come right out of the gate shooting with a with a debate point because I know it, it's a very debatable point. But I, I'm just thinking about that game, and to me, it's the most impressive playoff win they've had dating back to Super Bowl 36 against the Rams. It's just when you consider the environment, when you consider you know the circumstances within the game, when you consider the home road thing, it's just such an impressive victory that. Uh, it's it's almost a shame that they had to play another one. That would have been a great way to end the season on. So uh, that that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring that point up. I've been thinking the last few days that that particular team reminds me a lot of this team with the parallels between them. Do you think that's pretty accurate? Well, you're talking about the one team? Yeah, the first Super Bowl winning team in this one. I think a pretty big parallel is the fact that this team seems to really, which is amazing that they're able to do this in year 18 of this run, is to sort of take on this underdog mentality and embrace it. Uh, it it's sort of an unfathomable, an unfathomable trick that they were able to pull, you know, in this part of the dynasty. And I mean, it, part of it is legit. They certainly get doubted and questioned and critiqued more than anyone else. So they're taking that and they're running with it. And then you, you factor in the way the run game is working and the way that the, the defense is playing, and you can certainly create some parallels. Obviously, it's an entirely different league, so it's, it's hard to make an apples-to-apples comparison, but uh, I can definitely see a, a little hint of that 0-1 team for sure. Right. Just the, it, the amazing thing about the whole thing is they're actually playing the Rams again, and they were the two-seed back then too, and uh, here we go again all over again. <laughs> yeah, I mean the Rams are a little different now too. I think they, uh, but I guess they still have that sort oh, of sure. you know, uh, greatest show on turf situation. I could, I could see that. Right on, Steve. Yeah, the the Rams. You know, the O one team. They were the two seed. They won a divisional game at home. Then in that year and this year, they had to go on the road to very tough environments. I think Arrowhead's probably the toughest environment in the league. Sunday night game, you know, AFC championship all on the line, so to speak. And this is really impressive how well they performed most of that game. I mean, the defense was really good for three quarters. And then it was just <laughs> kind of gun, guns blazing on, on both sides in the fourth and OT. But just amazing, yeah, some, you know, it's, some, everything they've done. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Everything they've done for, you know, 18 years now, like you said, it's just they somehow they just keep topping it. Yeah, and it's there's so many <laughs> players that contributed to this. I mean, Malcolm Brown with the third and one run stuff after the Brady pick in the end zone, I think was a huge play. You had a Landon Roberts in the backfield on the opening drive making a tackle for a loss. You had Kyle Van Noy looking like, you know, we we talk about the deep words in the in the Aaron Donald of the world, and to some, I mean, obviously, rightfully so. 
for you had Kyle Van Noy out there looking like, you know, one of those elite pass rushers that gets all the national publicity. So really it's, it's been impressive. And, and, you know, even guys like, I mean, JC Jackson took some penalties, some of them more legit than others, but you still have an undrafted rookie out there in the AFC championship game on the road against the number one offense in football, you know, acquitting himself pretty well. I'm going to let him off the hook for that defensive hold. I think that one was bogus. I think the PI in the end zone was bogus. So, uh, it, it's it's just there's a lot of guys contributing. We we tend to you know at least nationally everyone's sort of just focused on Brady Belichick and then maybe gets to Rob Gronkowski and Julian Edelman. But that was just a really impressive effort from uh, one through 46, including Jimmy Devlin coming up with a pretty sweet catch. I mean that that was a legitimate that was some hands on that play when he caught that one. <laughs> He's had a few of those this year. <laughs> He's not bad. Throwback player. <laughs> So what can be said about that offensive line performing in that environment with zero false starts? That's pretty impressive. It really is. I mean, because we all, I mean, going into this game, what did you have to go on? You had the 2015 AFC Championship game in Denver when, you know, Brian Stork had the head nod thing uh, in the left tackle. uh, In the right tackle, we're basically turnstiles all game. I remember at one point, I forget whether it was Cannon or uh, did Solder play that game or was it Cannon and Waddle or was it Solder and Cannon? Either way. I remember them putting Cameron Fleming in as an extra tackle just in pass protection to help Cannon out, and that didn't do anything to slow down DeMarcus Ware and uh, Vaughn Miller. So that was the nightmare that sort of you could drum up if you wanted to during the week, and we know how badly it went for the Patriots the last time they went to, to Arrowhead. Brady was getting brushed up the gut all day long. They had no protection, and it was a, one of the worst losses they've had in the entire Belichick-Brady era. And so going back in there, you really didn't know how they were going to do that. And that goes to me, they've had such excellent game plans these past two weeks against the Chargers and then against the Chiefs. Nothing has caught them by surprise. I think the biggest uh, telling tale of that is, A, the the, the no-fall starts in the arrowhead, which is huge. Two, Brady is getting the ball. He was the fastest to get rid of the ball in the division round, and he was the fastest to get rid of the ball in the conference, conference championship round, which tells you they know what's coming before the ball is snapped which isn't necessarily new, but the way that they're executing it is just out of control. And that's, you know, it, 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 it's showing itself. All that preparation is showing itself in things like the offensive line, in the running game, and in, in Brady's success and everything. It's, it's really uh, a, a very impressive just sort of dismantling of their two opponents thus far. What he's doing at age 41 is just ridiculous. I mean, he's almost a better quarterback now than he was in his prime, and that's pretty scary. It is, and, you know, all the people who might have – I don't know where the arm strength people came from. I honestly there, – there were some obvious flaws in Brady's game this year. I think number one was that he didn't quite have the same explosive arsenal that he normally does, but arm strength right. was never really the issue. I mean, there was some footwork issues and things like that, but he could still deliver passes, and, and it was weird to hear that sort of commentary come up throughout the year because, as you saw, in Kansas City, it's a 41-year-old in 10-degree weather – in overtime, just slinging bullets up the field. Uh, the, third, the third and ten pass to Gronkowski, where Gronkowski ran basically a one-step slant on Eric Berry. There was one spot Brady could have put that ball in order to get it to Gronkowski, and he fit it in a shoebox-sized target. It's just he is – I mean, the stats aren't great because they're happy to just run the ball into the end zone. They have eight rushing touchdowns in two games. I think uh, Brady's smart enough to just let that one go and, and take the statistical hit. But watching him play – at this age, there, I mean, we've said his age so much now that it sort of becomes background noise, but it really is incredible, and it's probably something that won't be fully appreciated until many years down the line. Oh, absolutely. 
And we still get the narrative from the talking heads where he can't throw in the tight windows. Well, you just explained uh, one glaring situation where that is exactly what happened. Right. And, and you know, that, the, the Gronkowski one, he had a 20-yarder to Edelman on sort of a deep, deep crosser where people were draped all over Edelman that he nailed. The 25-yard lob pass up the left sideline to Gronkowski in single coverage with Barry. Uh, he made plenty of passes. I mean, Hogan, Hogan coming through. I mean, the touchdown pass to Dorsett, it's, uh, he had some really nice throws in that game. Absolutely. Steve? Yeah, I'm, uh, the only really bad play he had yesterday was that interception in the end zone. Yeah, that was, that was weird. It's weird, too, because he's the greatest of all time. He's the winningest quarterback. He, he's always there in the Super Bowl. It's no coincidence. But yet you can name at least three playoff interceptions in the end zone. There was the Denver one in 05. There was the Super Bowl against the Panthers, and then there was this one. It's just it's 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 a funny reminder that for as much as he's the greatest of all time, and as much as we all understand that, he still is a human being, and he's still playing a game. And I feel like that gets sort of wiped out. Everyone just expects him to be this perfect robot. So things like that uh, show that it is still difficult to do his job, even when you're very good at it. Oh, uh, there's no way on this w- world I'd ever want to be the guy replacing Tom Brady or Belichick, for that matter. <laughs> no, thank you. No, no. I, 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 you want to be the guy after the guy. I don't know that. I would tell you that Garoppolo was definitely going to be that guy. I was never uh, firmly in that camp. No, um, me either. No. So uh, about Bill Belichick, where would you rank his coaching for this season with this team overall? That's a good question because I think a lot of people basically made the, the argument that this wasn't the, 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 the weapons-type team. And, and I, there is a lot of merit to that because you look at, at Brady's, you know, yards per attempt and all that are down, and yet Josh Gordon was second in the league in, in yards per reception in his 11 games played, which tells you that when you have a guy that can't do that, like Brandon Cooks a year ago, Brady can still utilize that weapon. They just didn't really have a downfield threat like that Gronkowski wasn't the same you know deep ball receiver and things like that so for for the offense you know that didn't look like we're used to it seeing the things that they did improve on I mean the way they run the ball is in- incredible the way they worked in a rookie who missed training camp and, and missed weeks during the season due to injury is pretty incredible and the way that that defense the, the, the biggest addition they made was Adrian Claiborne who I think has been mostly a non-factor so it tells you that the same defense that went into Super Bowl 52 got absolutely torched by Nick Foles, basically returned intact, and you're seeing a unit that's playing so much better. That's just oh, Jason McCourty was a huge addition. I shouldn't ignore that one, but, uh, you know, basically a swap one-for-one one with Malcolm Butler. So I think it's, it, it's really, it really is impressive because all of that, you know, football-wise, you know, we go both sides of the ball, but the bigger thing is teams that lose the Super Bowl are generally garbage the year after. It's just it's hard to recover from that. Now when you add in the heartbreaking factor and the Malcolm Butler situation and all of that, I actually didn't think they'd be here this year in the Super Bowl just because so many teams have failed to do it. So there, there's no way to downplay what Belichick has done to sort of maintain the same mindset and maintain the same confidence inside that building. It's, it's pretty impressive. Absolutely. Thompson? How would you rate Sony's first year in the NFL? I think he's better than probably like a lot of the loudmouths like Felger and Mads give him credit for because <laughs> while obviously no running back, no running back can do it without a line. You know, it's not how the game of football works. 
Yeah. Uh, but to me, it's more about what guys can do with that. And and he's he's got great vision. We saw it with a great cutback against uh, against the Chiefs on the first play. He cuts back to the left and picks up 11 yards. We saw that the week before against the Chargers. Like his his field vision is excellent. His 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 swiftness moving. I mean, think back. It was the last first round draft pick they took a running back with Lawrence Maroney, right? And and what did everyone kill about him was the fact that he danced in the backfield too long. He didn't have the vision. Uh, he had all the power and the strength in the world, but he, he didn't have that vision. So that's that's a pretty significant thing. And then the way he runs through contact, if he's in those holes that aren't quite as big, he'll drop his shoulder and he'll keep going and he'll manage to get through most of the time. He's a tough runner. Uh, the one thing that he's maybe lacking is that breakaway speed. It seems like he always gets to the second level and gets caught, uh, but it's not necessarily, uh, I don't know, if he has that rare speed, maybe he doesn't have that same power. So I think he's been very good. I'm not necessarily in the you know draft running back in the first round uh, camp, but I'm also in the draft good players camp. So uh, <laughs> whether he's in the first round, second round, or third round, they got a good player. Uh, I don't know which player they missed out on by drafting him, but I think they got a good player, and I think that's what ultimately matters the most. Absolutely. I keep going back to that offensive line. There's so many players that on they're just gelling at the right time. And the guy I keep coming up with that I think deserves more recognition is Joe Tooney. He's an Iron Man. He has a Mr. Game, very solid. Across the, I mean, if you're going to go by talent, just straight talent, Shaq Mason's also your best one there. But even picking up Trent Brown, that was a big, big yeah. move now too. Yeah, you go right across the board too because Cannon had that amazing year in 16 and then didn't really play much at all last year. So you didn't know whether you'd get that same level from him. Granted, he's not the best right tackle in football the way he was two years ago, but he's been excellent. Brown, I think, you know, the way like the pro football focus guys rate him and everything, he's maybe the 20th best tackle. I, I don't know. Maybe he is, but he's done his job and he's integrated seamlessly having joined the team, you know, in the offseason. I think that's significant. And Tooney, it's funny you mentioned that because there was a touchdown run against the Chargers and Tooney kind of stayed down. He was really mad. He was banging the turf. I don't know what was bothering him. And it looked like he might actually go to the sideline for the first time all year. But he actually stayed in the game for the the uh, PAT and then didn't miss a snap after that. But I thought we were going to witness the rare missed snap from Joe Tooney. It's, it's kind of crazy. You just think in that job, the way you bang your head, the way you smash your fingers, the way you're, you know, sort of get yourself out of position and you got to lunge and things might pop. And, you know, it, it speaks to them, obviously, but also the strength and training uh, program that they have there that they've been able to stay so healthy. And I know that's, that could be a controversial topic when you, you weigh the uh, Patriots' strength and conditioning program against Alex Guerrero, but I think they, uh, they did a good job with the uh, with the big fellas. I think Dante is, without a question, the greatest offensive line coach of all time. I agree I with you, though. I can't really name anyone point. else in the conversation. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's but I agree true. wholeheartedly. That's true. And for sure, you know, go looking in the Super Bowl just a tad bit, that interior line is going to have to really put a helmet on Donald because he's a big problem. Yeah, and and I think that goes into Brady getting the ball out quickly, uh, which is frustrating. I mean, you saw it with the mic'd up thing where Joey Bose is just like, come on, man, stop throwing the ball so fast. Uh, <laughs> right. they, they could do that. I think back to the Seattle Super Bowl, uh, Michael Bennett was clobbering Brady, but it was always after he got rid of the pass. I don't think Bennett had a sack that day. The, one of the strengths, I think, you look at what's what's always good about Belichick teams, and it's handling and having a plan of attack for those elite defensive linemen, whether it's J.J. Watt, uh, that, that that's who comes to mind immediately. But the way they handled Bosa and Ingram a week ago, the way they handled the Chiefs, who, had, who led the league in sacks with 52 this year, they had one quarterback hit all game long. So 
they are pretty good at neutralizing that. I think Donald is in a class by himself, uh, but but they do have a good way of attacking that. And I think not. And again, not to get too nitty gritty with the Super Bowl preview this far out, the Rams ranked dead last in the league in yards allowed per carry at five point one. So I think the Run. best way to neutralize a pass rush is to just go Sony Michelle, Rex Burkhead, James White, and just pound them to death. They did that in Kansas City. It worked. They had twenty one minutes of possession in the first half. Uh, I think we're going to see that. It probably won't be great for you know spectacular TV ratings, but I think that's the best route in us uh, in the Super Bowl. Great, Steve. Yeah, I mean it's definitely the the Rams. I think are definitely a better matchup for the Patriots than the Saints would have been. I agree, and the Saints basically were in the Super Bowl, so it's pretty right. much you're pretty much right in saying that. Yeah, I mean it's. Crazy, you know. Breeze is a veteran. You know, he's been there, not to the Super Bowl a ton, but he he's been around the league a long time. I think Belichick and Flores will have an, you know, not easy, but an easier time game planning for Goff, getting him off his spot, things like that, like they did with Mahomes on Sunday. A lot easier of a time than you know, kind of confusing Drew Brees, you know, a veteran, solid quarterback. I do generally agree. Goff has been pretty unimpressive basically mm-hmm. since since that 50, what was it, 54, 51 win over the Chiefs, whatever it was uh, when the offense, you know, changed the league forever and then no one else played a game like that for the rest of the year. Uh, since that point, he hasn't been really spectacular. And But I, I will say when he threw the pick that Todd Gurley dropped and led to a pick, you know, deep in the Rams zone, the, the, the Saints – crowd is going absolutely nuts. They got whistles all over the place. It's 13 nothing. I kind of thought it was over. I thought the Rams were just going to yeah. succumb to the moment because it was it was as heavy as it gets. And the Rams, you know, to their credit, stuck in there. They held the the, the Saints to two field goals, uh, which was huge. And they, they climbed back. They made it 13-10 at halftime. And they, they were in position at the end to still be competitive. Granted, they got the worst call ever going their way. But uh, I was really impressed with that that show of character on the road. So, uh, for as much as we were amazed at the Patriots win and all that, I, I'm still giving credit to the Rams for that. So, as as much as I do agree, Goff is a lot easier to attack than a Drew Brees and a Michael Thomas and, and Alvin Kamara and all that. I, I still that's going to stick with me in these next two weeks. Is the Rams showed some real guts there? No, no question about it. I read your article today on this whole overtime rules and all that other fun stuff. Is it a fair assessment to say if this is the opposite happens and the Chiefs win, it's crickets across the board? I think that's pretty fair. I mean, it, I, no one no one raised a ruckus when Tim Tebow beat the Steelers. Uh, no, one, no one threw a fit when the Seahawks beat the Packers in 2014 in overtime. And, and no one should have because the, the Steelers played awful defense on Demarius Thomas and the, the Packers didn't put a safety on the field against Doug Baldwin, and look what happened. It, it, to me, it's this simple. No one cares about defense anymore. They think the sport is just offense. They think it's like baseball where you can only score one way, where only one part of it matters in that sense. And it's just – it fundamentally bothers me that people think the Chiefs didn't have a chance to win that game because you have a chance. You are a football team made up of an offense, a defense, and special teams units. That's what the game is. It's not just offense. So to say the Chiefs didn't have a chance, I think, is just remarkably ignorant. And I, it just bothers me that, that it's become sort of a national storyline that the Chiefs, Mahomes never got to touch the ball. He had a chance to touch the ball when it was third and 10 at the 35, when it was third and 10 at midfield, when it was third at the yeah. 35. 
and the Chiefs defense didn't make a stop, but the Chiefs didn't deserve to get the ball because defense is part of the sport, unfortunately for the Chiefs. Uh, and, you know, got their defensive coordinator fired. If it was the rules that got, you know, that lost them the game, the defensive coordinator is not out of a job two days later. So if you can't tell, it really uh, grinds my gears a little bit. <laughs> I, this that, that quote alone, I mean, I've been following you for a long time, but you might become my favorite follower now on Twitter. Just from that comment alone, you nailed it. Completely nailed it. I love it. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's. I get a little crazy, but it comes from a good place, I think. Well, too, so, like well, the end of the fourth quarter, you know, Kansas City was in position to go for the touchdown. They had enough time right. to throw one towards the end zone, and he threw it, like, out of the side of the end zone. So, Right. He had he, like a half he had like a half dozen passes to nobody in that game, Mahomes did. Right. Yeah, he missed Williams. That little uh That was a big one. Oh yeah. Yeah, he missed him by a lot too. I'm like, oh that was a pretty lucky play that he missed him. But I mean with Mahomes, he's really good, but a lot of these big light games this year, he seems nervous, especially in the first half. Misses a lot more throws in the first half than he does in the second half. I mean, he did it up here in week six, too, where he had a couple of misses early, and then he, fourth quarter, they got rolling. And a bigger miss, just as big of a mistake, too, is the miss pass, which is, you know, kind of glaring, was the taking the 14 yard sack right Mm -hmm. after he missed that Williams play. So they're in field goal range to at least make it you know, at least get on the board before halftime, but instead he takes a 14-yard sack and they're out of field goal range and they have to punt. That was just another thing that you can't really do in the championship game. And maybe that goes to uh, your point about Goff. I know Goff is not quite as inexperienced, but he's still in that moment uh, could succumb to, to, you know, mental mistakes like that. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, I've I've watched a lot of Rams games this year because I had Gurley on my fantasy team, so I had to keep up. And uh, mm-hmm. you can you can get pressure and bothers him up the middle. Pretty much what the Patriots have been doing with a lot of success the last month. We bring uh, Van Oy, Hightower, and company up the middle. That's going to cause problems. Get him to at least throw it away or throw a couple of picks. Yeah, and I think that goes back to what we were talking about earlier, the impressive job Belichick has done. I think – I don't know exactly what week it was, whether it was week 8, 9, 10, 11 – when they really embrace that whole amoeba front concept, whatever you want to call it, there's a million names for it. But when it's basically just, you know, 10 guys standing around and one guy with his hand in the dirt and the offense has no idea what's coming, there's plays where they only send four, but the O-line doesn't know who's coming. And there's just massive gaps that the, you know, the pass rushers can run through. You saw Chung in the backfield a bit. Uh, It's just, it's so confusing, not just for the quarterback, but for the offensive line and the running. I mean, you want to go to uh, protection issues back. They they beat the Falcons because, uh, sorry, which running back was it? Had no idea Dante Hightower was coming off the edge and let him mm. go right by like a turnstile. Uh, that was, you know, that, that's, yeah. they, they have a really good way of employing that, those types of uh, confusing uh, blitzes and sometimes not even blitzes, just more, you know, sending out a signal that, that you don't know who's coming. So, uh, that's probably what they're gonna, you know, ride. Hope uh, for their, from their side, they're hoping they ride it all the way to a championship. This is the best high tower has looked in a long time this season. Yeah, he would have had that. Uh, the, the fumble recovery would have been a, a very nice uh, feather in his cap for that too. But uh, that right. one didn't count. But yeah, he's uh, he's been solid. I think it's it's sort of in line with a lot of Patriots. Like Trey Flowers to me 
is as talented a player as they have on both sides of the ball. And yep. you don't hear about him. You hear about him more now, for sure, because he's had an unbelievable year. But the things he's able to do in both the run game and as a pass rusher, I think is just so incredibly rare. Usually those guys are just pass rushers. If you run at them, you can push them where you need to push them. They're not really factors in the run game on a positive side. Usually they're a negative factor. I think, you know, he's he's unbelievable in that. And I think Hightower does a lot of those things too that maybe aren't, you know, sexy or statistical, you know, measures, but he's been very important to them. And that linebacker, we, we, I mean, we spent the offseason saying, what's their weakness? It's the linebacking core. You have Hightower, Van Noy, Roberts, and what? And it's working out really well for them. Yeah, Van Noy's having a career year right now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so get me started, Steve. Oh, yeah. Chris is All a right, massive fan, which is an understatement. Yeah. Massive fan. So am I. I mean, he had what, ten tackles and he had ten tackles and two sacks. I think Sunday. Yep. And a yep. strip. One of those was a strip sack before halftime. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's, he's definitely having a career oh. year. Last week against Kansas City, he looked like he got shot out of a cannon a few times. So, like, wow. And yeah, imagine what the defense will look next year with Bentley back and all the other oh. injured guys back. Win line could be even better. So, but can't wait for the Super Bowl. It's kind of crazy thinking about it that they're going to be in their ninth one. It is. I, uh, I, <laughs> I, every year around, I don't know, September, October, I tell my wife because she doesn't necessarily like when I leave for a week, especially now that we have two little kids at home to take care of. I usually <laughs> like, ah, oh, don't worry about it this year. It's not happening. And then, you know, I think after the Pittsburgh game for sure. I was like, all right, well, you know, we got, you know, I, I won't be leaving this year, no worries. And then every year she just stares at me when they win the AFC title game again. And it's it really, I think that's that's obviously a uh, personal measure. It doesn't really apply universally, but I think to me that's uh, how I always measure how surprised I am that they're. So I'm I'm pretty surprised this year that they made it, and it's just a credit to them. I I thought I picked the Chiefs last week not because I didn't think the Patriots had a chance. I just thought conservatively and, and smartly you take the 12 and 14 playing at home with the number one offense in the league it's sort of the given and i don't know how you know the bets ended up playing out in vegas i don't know where the where the money went but i would guess more people bet on the chiefs i'm not really sure but uh it was just i the way i put it was you know if they go in there and win i'll just be really impressed and so that's that's where i still stand no question even the adjustments that they made was huge Hill and Kelsey was a non-factor. I mean, yeah, Kelsey had that one touchdown, but for the most part, both of them were completely invisible. Yeah, it is funny, too, because I think a lot of people might have freaked out when they saw Keon Crossan on the field. Uh, you know, undrafted rookie out of, what, Western Carolina uh, covering Tyree Kill in the AFC Championship game. And I think the reason he was out there is because he's the fastest guy on the team. But it was funny how slow Tyree Kill made him look on that post-corner route. It was like it looked like me out there, and that's the fastest guy they got. So uh, Tyreek Hill is a freak. Uh, it is impressive that they limited to that one big play. Uh, you know, Watkins' big play on Gilmore was obviously a result of sort of a scramble drill where Gilmore misses one step and he gets stuck behind him. So the, the defensive backfield, especially considering how poorly they did uh, the last time they played the Chiefs in the second half, I know the points don't show it, but they were actually improved. I think, I don't know, in my estimation, I think the secondary 
might actually be the strength of that entire defense. Overall. It's weird, right? Because for years, I don't know, going back a decade, uh, it was the weakness. It was just consistently the weakness. Like if you want to beat the Patriots, you just throw on them. And whether you have like Kyle Arrington out there or, or uh, Lee Bodden, that's going back a little farther, oh, but it was always – yeah, and then you go last year, they get torn up because Jordan Richards is on the field and so is Johnson Batamosi. It's just sort of like for years and years, that was how you attacked them. And now when you have, you know, Chung, McCourty, Harmon in the back end, and then you have Jason McCourty and Stephon Gilmore as an all-pro at the at the corner positions, and, you know, J.C. Jackson and Jonathan Jones chipping in, it's, it's, it is really impressive. It's not quite, you know, Legion of Boom level – but I do think it's weird. The secondary has much, been much better than the front seven as a whole from uh, September through January. There's just something about that 24 jersey that does it to plays in New England. <laughs> except like, uh, except that like nine-year gap that I talked about with the Kyle Aaron right. the world top. They tried it, though. Credit to them. Yeah. Right. Steve, anything yeah, else? You can't, you can't forget Ellis Hobbs. Of course. He was very fast as well. <laughs> No, so is it too early for you to at least say who you think is going to win the Super Bowl? Uh, I mean, I'll probably think about it and change my mind a bunch, but I've got this weird (laughs) feeling, and this is, you know, call me crazy, but I have this weird feeling that finally in Super Bowl appearance number nine for Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, they're going to show up and actually have their crap together. I think they're actually going to have a game plan that works. Just the way they've come out these past two games, they were – surgical coming out against the Chargers. They were, they had the ball for eight minutes coming out against the Chiefs. I think they're finally going to score in the first quarter of the Super Bowl, and they're finally going to actually play as well as they're capable of playing. I think they have a penchant for just sort of giving their fans heart attacks and <laughs> playing the most stressful games in the world. I'm not saying they're going to go out and win by 14 and you can, you know, kick back with some Fritos in the fourth quarter, but I've just got this feeling that the way they're executing right now they'll be able to maintain that and play a good game. And if they do that, I do think they can win. There's a lot more I got to, you know, study up on the Rams, but that's right. my initial feeling based on how the Patriots are playing at the moment. Do you have any thoughts on this laser gate situation before we let you go? I mean, I mean, the NFL says they're looking into it. I'm not holding my breath on a result from that one, but it, right. one thing we do fall into the trap of in New England is saying, like, imagine if this happened in New England and it gets kind of tired, but also we do it because it's wholly accurate because people yeah. would be calling – people wanted Bill Belichick kicked out of the league after they were accused of deflating footballs once, which is something no one even knew or cared about until they were accused of doing it. No one cared about, yeah. you know, air pressure in footballs ever until it was the Patriots. So there's a lot of validity in people doing that. So it is uh, – I mean, obviously – teams aren't responsible for their stupid fans. I think Reed was yelling at fans a week before for throwing snowballs onto the field because, you know, you can penalize it. I don't know how they catch the guy. It'd be really cool if they do. It was cool when they pulled out all that uh, secret security footage to catch the guy who stole Brady's jersey after Super Bowl 51. So if they can use all that footage to catch a guy with a little green laser, that would be great. And maybe they can because, I mean, the Pistons, uh, the Pistons, brawl the Pistons Pacers ball was what you know 14 years ago and they had the footage to find the guy who tossed the beer cup that started that one so maybe they can uh piece together some video and find the guy that would be great because uh I mean I don't know I guess you're a fan of the team and you think you can get away with it it's worth a shot I guess but uh ideally you you don't have that happen and it just speaks to Tom Brady that no one even knew about it for a whole day I think that that says it all absolutely right yeah I wonder if he even I wonder if he even noticed it 
you know, I don't know. I mean, he's a yeah. he's a crazy person. I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't know this. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that's no, all I got. Yeah. Where can everyone find you? Uh, you can go right cbsboston.com. Uh, go to the sports page. You got my ugly face right there. You click on that or Twitter, Michael F. Hurley. Uh, I make a lot of bad tweets all day long. So those are your two options, or you can just ignore me entirely, which most people do. So it's, it's entirely up to you. I don't force myself on anyone. Awesome. Thanks for Good joining talk. us. Yeah, thanks, man. Appreciate Definitely it. appreciate it. Yeah, it was a great talk. Yeah, thanks, guys. You're welcome. Have a good See one. Another good guest. Wow. Oh, yeah. yeah. Pretty much said pretty much what we were thinking, basically. Can't go along yeah. with that. Nope. <laughs> Man. Pretty yeah, impressive, though, just overall, you know, like he said about the game plan, how crisp they are right now. They're, they're dangerous going into the Super mm-hmm. Bowl. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, it's it's two weeks away right now still, so I don't want to, like, jump ahead and really get into the Super Bowl talk, even though it's tempting. Yeah. Because we still got next week's show. But there's just something about this team that I can't quite shake entirely. <laughs> they they got it. You know, they got – this team has that feel to it right now. Like, okay, we're in good shape here. Yeah, I mean, a mm-hmm. month ago, you know, after that Pittsburgh debacle, if I would have said, oh, we're going to have to go to Kansas City for the AFC title game, how would you have thought that that game was going to play out? Oh, you, you, we've talked about it at nauseum, the two of us. <laughs> you you, you asked that direct question, and my exact answer was I wouldn't be very comfortable about it. Right. Just because of history, you know, the way – the crowd is, the way Mahomes is performing. Look, there's no – you can't take away just how good that Kansas City offense was this season. And that's what makes a defensive performance so impressive from the Patriots. It can't be overlooked. Mm-hmm. Especially what they did in that first half. I mean, that's just banana land. Oh, if God, they yeah. show up like – if they show up to the, this Super Bowl with that formula – and play at that level, they're going to give – I almost said – I almost caught myself. almost almost said St. Louis, but they're going to give the Rams <laughs> a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. And the, the one thing that the Patriots' defense does very well is tackle. They're a very consistent tackling team. You don't see them miss tackles too often. They do. That's the nature of the game. Yeah. But overall, they're fantastically – well-oiled machine when it comes to tackling. I'm yeah, excited. Like said, I'm pretty fired yeah. up about it. Oh, yeah. Like you said, the game plans the last two weeks have been exceptional. I mean, like, the Kansas City game, you couldn't have written a story any better. Eight-minute drive, run it right down their throat, touchdown. I mean, that's oh, no just some, that sends a message. You're like, okay, boys, we're here. Let's roll. Yeah. And, again, I got to go back to the talking heads for a second. They keep talking, and, and the team keeps hearing the outside noise, and it's just galvanizing these guys even more. Mm-hmm. They're already a passionate group anyways, and they want to do well. 
now you're talking about them on a level of they're not good enough. They're not a good enough team to be where they are. And that's just pouring gas on the fire. So keep doing it, please. Don't change yeah. now. You've been, you've been doing this narrative now for, what, six years? Maybe even longer? Keep talking. Just keep well, Kellerman. Kellerman's an idiot. You know, they, even people on first take this week have been basically telling him to shut up. He's an idiot. You know, he's saying that Brady was lucky to win in Kansas City. Yeah. Like, shut up. Even the people on with him, they're like, Shut up. You're wrong. They're like, oh, he won on a flip of a coin. It's like, are you kidding me? Did you not right. watch the three third and tens that they had on that OT drive? Yeah, and that's it. I'm glad you brought the, on that the three third down conversions. The Patriots were 13 of 19 on third down conversions in the entire game. Yeah. How crazy is that? For oh, it's fans? nuts. On the road. One offensive penalty, which was a farce, that Dorset pass interference. Right. That was ridiculous. No false starts, you know, no illegal formations, no holding, no illegal motion, nothing. No delay of games. Oh, they well, had one. That, that was when they, they were punting, which that was absurd, that too. Right. Okay, so we're on the same page with that one because the referee was standing over the ball. It's like, what are you doing? Move. Right. And, and like, if they would have let him snap like, it, if they would have let him snap it, they would have got him for 12 men in a first down. And another thing that really bothers me a lot with fans is how they keep pointing out referees. Mm-hmm. You you, you want to com- compare the two sides? They were mugging uh, – Gronkowski bad all game long. Just holding him. Nothing's being called. And they never do that, Gronkowski. Gronkowski is the one tight end where you have to just about break his body in two for him to get a flag thrown at him. Right. And it's ridiculous. The, Except, these people aren't saying nothing about that pit touchdown play. Not a thing. Oh, that was, that was and, horrendous. And then, right. And then they called. Dorsett for the same exact thing, and it wasn't no one's even close to being as bad as that one on the Chiefs. No, the other guy basically tackled him. He fell over. Yeah. He hit him, and bam, down he goes. Yeah. There was that fourth down play that I'm going to give Bern a shout-out to that he popped up on Twitter today where Sony Michelle got the touchdown late, and that yep. took nails. Marcus Cannon took out three people at the line by himself. You see that clip? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's crazy. Three guys, boom, just like a bowling ball coming down. (laughs) I was wondering how that hole got there. That thing was huge. (laughs) He just pretty much was, you know, like a tree, boom, took everybody out. But the only thing that really kind of I was puzzled about one play in particular was that fourth down with Burkhead up the middle. That was crazy. I thought that was yeah, a bad was, call. Yeah, that was stupid. I mean, you know, early they were able to pretty much run it well, and then credit to Kansas City. They made some adjustments on their D-line, mm-hmm. kind of brought in some, like, bigger bodies, made it harder for the Pats to run. 
So, you know, Andy's not considered like a great coach, but I'll have to give him some props for making that adjustment, slowing down the run game a little bit. That's why they stopped right. him on that fourth and one that you're talking about. Cause there was no room. Well, no I mean, room you, go, you, you see how they're lined up and they're all right in the middle. The, the, the thing you should have done in that situation was make a dive to the left or the right with your with your halfback. Hey, instead, you know, and, and, yeah, instead Burkhead does this little jump up and he gets hit at the line. Right. Oh. And then we have the muff punt that I still can't believe that they overturned that still. I can't believe it. Even though it showed that Edelman didn't touch it. Mm-hmm. In that situation, I'm like, I looked at my wife and I'm like, you know, this gets to feel that something bad is about to happen here. Right. Yeah. And then and she doesn't do. want, <laughs> right. And I mean, she's not a, not a sports fan, but she'll watch the patch of me and she's getting fired up, which is always a good thing. <laughs> always good when the wife's happy, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Every married man will agree with that one. No doubt, yep. But she's like, he didn't even touch you. I'm like, well, Tim, I understand that, but we're here in Arrowhead. We're not at home. I don't think this is going to get turned. And then it turned, like, wow, really? I couldn't believe it. And then the very, well, was it the very next play, he goes up Edelman's hands, and then boom, yeah, they pick it, it off anyway. You're like, oh, my God. Well, I have, a go theory. Again. I have a theory on why they overturned it. Well, what's your theory? Oh, they had to because of the debacle in the Saints game. You think? They, oh, yeah, they had enough controversy. Right. Like if yeah, – because, I mean, you could see clear as day he didn't touch it. So if you got, well, you know, the, the Saints game, there's basically people saying the game was fixed. So now if you have another play that's, you know, similar, I mean, obviously not as egregious. Right. You know, something very questionable. There was definitely question, you know, if the guy touched it or not. I mean, you got to lean towards him not touching it. Mm-hmm. If they would have kept that call, you know, basically just because it's an arrowhead, oh, that would have been bad publicity, big time. Well, initially when everything happened in real time, my initial instinct was he didn't touch it because normally a punt returner or a kickoff guy fumbles the ball or touches it. He's going to go after the ball. Mm-hmm. Edelman didn't move. He was just like, I don't know. I, I didn't touch it. Just a phenomenal win all the way around. I mean, using the adjective you want, just absolute nails from that team. Oh, absolutely. I don't think I've ever been so proud of a team as I am this one right now. That's saying something. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If, if if they go out and play well, they're going to win. I think so. You know, it's... Well, you know, like you said, no, nothing with us, never. With no. our Patriots, it's never easy. Never. You know, I would like All to be I able know to... Is... Uh, feel comfortable in the fourth. Right. All I know is this. If the Super Bowl comes up and that defense turns up, like mm. we've been saying forever in a day, prepare for a very fun show come 
<laughs> the following week because me and you are going to yeah. be gushing about it. Yep. I mean, rightfully so. We're right. defensive guys. You know, it's refreshing, really. When you have that 54-51 nonsense earlier in the year that some people loved. I I hated it. I mean, not hated it, but that's definitely I wouldn't want to watch something like that every week. I mean, it's not enjoyable. To me, it's, yeah. to, to me, I actually love the game because of that game because the Patriots weren't playing in it. If that was the <laughs> Patriots, I'd have had a heart attack. Right. Yeah, but I mean, that's more like an arena football league game to me. Those kind of Quite scores. That, it's like, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like I said, it's good every once in a while, but I wouldn't want to watch that every week. They'd lose ratings big time with that kind of crap. Yeah, I agree. But, uh, you know, people aren't going to change what they like. It's just what it is at this point. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that play to Burkhead, the one where you got stuffed on fourth down. That could have been your Dwayne Allen touchdown play. Oh, give it to me. <laughs> I, I need that to happen, man. Yeah. Play action to Dwayne Allen. Six, here we come. He keeps going to motion, I'm telling you. Yeah. There's going to happen in the Super Bowl. He's going to get forgotten about He's going to be standing by himself. It wouldn't surprise me. They're going to definitely throw some wrinkles in there. I mean, Sunday game, Brady, after the fact, said they installed eight different plays Sunday morning before the Chiefs game. It's like, holy crap, really? That third down conversion to Gronk, that little, like, skinny slant that was installed that morning. It's like, wow, that's amazing. Right. So, many teams, not many teams in the league will do something like that. Be afraid to fail. Absolutely. So you want to move on to the question part of the show? Yeah, definitely. All right, let's roll. First question's from Donna McClellan. Can they duplicate the first half of that KC game? You want me to go first there? Yeah, no, go ahead. Yep. Yeah, I definitely think they can. I think they can actually do a little better. I mean, they're great on defense. The offense, I don't think they can do much better on defense. That was pretty much textbook. But offensively, they can definitely do better because, I mean, they really only had seven points most of that first half. Got a touchdown towards the end of it. But they definitely left some points on the board before that. Definitely. I mean, they could have been up 28 nothing easy at halftime. I mean, you take that away been, that would have been curtains. Oh yeah, you take away Brady's interception in the end zone. That's another at least three, probably seven. Right. And then All that right. changes the momentum, and they probably get another one. No doubt. What another do you think? one. Do you, do you think they can oh, do I better? I agree with you all the way, pretty much word for word. That don't happen too often, does it? No. <laughs> <laughs> Must be a full moon out tonight. Right. 
Anyways, we got one from Rich Gelman. What is the over-under on the number of times Marshall Falk and Eric Dickerson complain about how they were cheated in 01, and this is their chance at revenge? I'm going to say uh, 30. Does that sound about right? Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you mean, Let you got go, Dickerson. Obviously, Dickerson was a heck of a player. Oh, yeah. But he's totally wrong on the whole filming crap. It's been debunked. The story's right. been retracted. But yet you keep spewing nonsense. Right. It's just a tired narrative that we've all heard. Right. Yeah. And you're going to love this one. Novelist John, I don't know, his friend is like Sigru. <laughs> How does Dion Lewis feel right now? <laughs> in parentheses, he wrote has to in parentheses. So yeah. Well, he got paid. Yeah, I like that one. He got yeah, his regular true. season wins. Right. Well, I guess good for him to get in the money, but the whole you know talk of the Patriots being cheap. Well, whatever. Say what you want. The Patriots do what they do when they're successful at it. So that's all that matters in the end. Yeah, I mean, how can you knock it? Nine Super Bowl appearances now. Uh, it's true. Oh, we got another one. This one's from Chris Dahl. Who does Kurt want to pick in this one? <laughs> oh, Warner, he's taking the – he'll probably take the Rams. That's who he so? played for. Yeah, that's who he played for. Right. Yeah, that's true, probably. But you never know. Weird stuff happens sometimes. Yeah. I mean, if he's looking at it realistically, he should pick the Patriots, but emotions usually right. get in the way for that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Another one we got here from John again. Do the Pats cut Gronk if he doesn't retire? Do they rework his deal? Does Brady step in? Will Gronk, in parentheses, retire for a year, heal up, and want to play in 2020? Wouldn't New England retain his rights? That's a, that's a mouthful. Well, if he Go retires, ahead. yeah, they still retain his rights, I believe. I mean, they're going to try to rework his deal in the offseason. I mean, his production definitely slipped during the year. He's a year older. I hope they bring him back. I mean, you really, you could, if you could get him to agree to something like $6 million a year, I would do it. Right. You know, it's, I don't know. I mean, I hope I don't, I hope it doesn't come to where Brady has to threaten retirement again. I mean, there's no way Gronk wants to play with anybody else. He's said that numerous times. Yeah, he has. Love, He's on record for it. I'd love to see cool. him come back for another year. I mean, we saw how important he was against the Chiefs. Best game of the year, six catches, 79 yards, I think. Huge catch down the sideline. I mean, they made that look easy, but that play and catch was extremely difficult. Oh, you went kidding that turnaround play? Yeah, I mean, the guy's 6'7", like 270, easy. 
Right. In the turnaround catch, he made it look like it was nothing. And he almost scored. <laughs> Pretty remarkable, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. He spun back around and he almost like fell into the end zone because he's so massive. <laughs> right. So this question is from our friend over in Ireland. I think the name Sean Pierce or Sean Pierce. Oh, okay. Do you, think, do you think Gronk will call it a career if the Patriots win it all? I uh, me, I think he's back for another year. One more go round. Yeah, because I, I think so, they, they think you know they realistically can win it again if they do it this year. They have as good a shot as anybody. So what changed? Weren't you a few weeks ago saying that he was going to retire? You thought he was done? Yeah, but then Sunday's game. And then reignited you on the situation? Yeah. I mean, he's having a ton of fun. You can see it. Right. I watched his press conference after the win, and he was ecstatic. Oh, I'm him sure. Is, you know, I mean, you haven't seen that a ton that year, this year from him in press conferences. You could tell he was happy to be there, that kind of stuff. So that's he's why it's starting to look healthy, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was reports a while ago that he had an Achilles injury. Wow. Which, which would make a ton of sense why you didn't have the uh, explosiveness. The, yeah, you know. Uh, Chris Dell asks if the Pats win the Super Bowl, does Brady and Bill Belichick retire? Ooh. I'm going to say no. I don't think so either. And I've changed my mind on the one with Brady mm-hmm. because I could have sworn that one one more. It was that was the end of it. It was he's gonna walk off in the sunset. So I don't know, you know, it's kind of a I think only they know ultimately. I know it's a, kind of a wash for an answer, mm-hmm. but I think they have an idea. Has Bernie played the 45? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I still don't think that's going to happen. But I think for some reason, I got a feeling Belichick's going to stick around longer. What do you think? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think either one of them are done, really. I mean, they're on top. Like, why would you go out like that? Especially if you're Bill. Right. Plus Brady, I yeah. mean, he definitely he's a very genuine person. Mm-hmm. I don't think he can just leave the team high and dry like this. Damn. <clears throat> Dying. <clears throat> All right, I got another um, question for you. Yep. Bailey Smith, hey guys, how about James Devlin? Man, has he played some great football? I think he gets overlooked a lot, but how key is he in the running game? <clears throat> oh, he's amazing. I mean, they're one of the few teams in the league now that utilize the fullback. It's awesome. Yep. Man, he had a super catch against Kansas City. He's definitely, this year, he seems to uh, had a lot more catches than ever before in his career. Yeah. 
really. And he's a he's a good catcher. I mean, it's some of those throws that Tom does kind of like puts it not in the best spot sometimes, and he still gets it. It's pretty impressive. Right. And he's a uh, he's a phenomenal blocker. I've been saying for a while now that Devlin reminds me a lot of Sam Gash. Yep. Probably got better hands than Gash did, but run blocking wise, almost identical players. Mm-hmm. I love Sam oh. Gash back in the day, man. Was he awesome? <clears throat> oh, I just saw this on Twitter. <clears throat> Zach Cox. They're talking about David Andrews. Mm-hmm. He's. He's about to start his third Super Bowl. And that's how many years he's been in the league. <laughs> wow. Incredible. That's nuts. Bill said he's a oh. lifetime center. It's like, wow. That's everything you need to know, wasn't it? Yep. All right. We've got a couple, few more questions here. Matt Broadbent, Gronkowski going to be clutch? In the Super Bowl? Yeah. yeah, I mean, we don't really get, want to get into it that much, but to me, it's probably going to be his best game of the year. I think they've been saving him for this kind of moment. Yeah, you've been on that narrative all season, so. Yep, people think I'm nuts. In a couple of weeks, we're going to see how accurate that is. <laughs> I've known you for over 30 years, and I think so. So I should tell you everything you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's going to perform. Let's put it that yeah. way. We'll touch more on that Super yeah. Bowl next. And there's another kind of a Super Bowl question, but we'll throw it out there anyways. Jimmy Troy writes, are they going to be able to stop Donald and Sue from getting to Brady? Because to me, that's the key to the Pats winning. Um, yes. They've Like we touched on earlier, they've been great game plans every playoff game so far and they're going to come up with another one to slow them down and a lot of that plan is going to revolve around running wear them out some no huddle probably which I mean I know, they haven't really done that early in Super Bowls I haven't really been able to figure out why maybe it's because they don't want to wear out because they're so hyped up or something. I don't know. And then you get that stupid 30-minute halftime nonsense. Right. So I don't know. This is a great question sent in from Rich Gilman. How different would Brady's legacy be if the tuck rule was called the fumble in 01? Hmm. Interesting. Oh, yeah. That's something to ponder, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I uh, changed a little bit. Obviously, we wouldn't have so many, like, crybaby Raiders fans on our page <laughs> all the time <laughs> complaining about it. But Ravens, too. Another story. But, I mean, it would be a little bit different. I mean, he'd have, you know, one more loss in his playoff career. Would it really define like who he is as a player? I don't think so. He's he's had an amazing career. It's, it hasn't really been because of one game going either way. I mean, he's had a ton of ups for his career. He's had some dreadful downs. You know, the 
undefeated season, like most quarterbacks probably wouldn't have been able to come back from something like that happening. He did it. You know, and that next year, the first game, he blows out his knee. Just those two things alone, as far as like adversity, like, and then coming back, you know, now 41, like you touched on earlier in the episode, it's arguably the best he's played in his entire career, and he's 41. That's absurd. So it's, yeah, I mean, it would have changed it a little bit. I know it's a long winded answer, but. Would have changed it a little bit, but it definitely wouldn't define like who he is. Let me ask you this question: Does Bell does Bledsoe get his job back if that happens? No, nah, I don't think so. No. No. Would have made for an uh, interesting off season. Yeah, I just think Bill was ready to move on. The possibility. I mean. He was probably kind of ready to move on, and then Drew got hurt, so that kind of made it easier, and Brady played well and just couldn't take him out. Right. Well, that's all I got for tonight. I don't know if you want to call it a wrap. Yeah, that's good. I got nothing else. Yep, so thanks, everyone, in advance for downloading, sharing this episode with all your friends. Find us on patspulpit.com. Go check them out and SB Nation on Twitter. Check us out. Our person, My personal ones, we play for titles. What's yours, Chris? Mine's Chris underscore Blackie. And anyone who's not subscribed to the Pat's Pulpit podcast, definitely do so. Leave us some reviews. Definitely love feedback. So. Have a good day or night, everybody. Thanks for listening. See ya. Hey, everybody. It's Neil Patel, editor-in-chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Verge Cast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Vergecast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else you listen to podcasts check it out